Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. I am Dean Linke, and as a lot of you know, I cover a lot of games on the Big Ten Network and other networks, and I'm so pleased to be joined by one of the great stories in women's college soccer this year, Jeff Hostler. In his first season as the head coach of the Michigan State women's soccer team, got Michigan State the number four seed in the Big Ten tournament, which starts on Sunday. They'll face the Iowa Hawkeyes, the number five seed. Jeff Hostler won three national championships at Grand Valley State at the D2 level, played in two other championship games this after incredible success at Alma College also in Michigan where he played basketball and soccer. Jeff Hostler has found some of the best talent in the ECNL and he will continue to do that. What a story. Michigan State has not been in the Big Ten tournament in 10 years and Michigan State is the number four seed as their new head coach Jeff Hostler joins me next on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country, with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and I am Dean Linky flying solo with Jeff Hostler, the Haas, who is the new coach at Michigan State after success at his alma mater, Alma, also success at Grand Valley State, where he won three, count them, three Division II national championships. And in his first season has erased a 10-year gap of Michigan State not making the Big Ten tournament. They are in and they are hosting as the number four seed. To me, it's one of the greatest stories in women's college soccer. And Jeff Hostler is a key reason for it. The Haas, welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dean, thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure to get on with you and, and talk the game a little bit. Yeah, and I like talking about your story because, one, good things always happen to good people. And, look, I, I always wanted to be a broadcaster, right? And I've been a broadcaster for 25 years and and kind of living the dream. And then I see your story. You're from East Lansing. You went to Alma. You played basketball and soccer. Then you go to Grand Valley State. And this job opens up. You're from East Lansing. I mean, the whole thing, Jeff, is like I think you've said on the Big Ten Network, surreal. It really is. Uh, you know, I'm an East Lansing High School graduate. Grew up, you know, going to basketball games, season ticket holder. Uh, you know, with my father. You know, I came to camps at Michigan State. You know, I came back as a, a college student and beyond to come watch games here. You know, I was never good enough to play here, uh, and just hope to prove to be good enough to coach here. So coming out of high school, then you were basketball and soccer. Talk about the decision to go to Alma. Where is Alma? What division is it? Tell us more about it. 
I had got quite a bit of interest in recruiting for, for basketball um, early on, freshman, sophomore year of high school. My father was really, really involved. I was the oldest of four. You know, and like if a school expressed interest, if it was in driving distance, he took me in. We went and watched games and got to know coaches and, and see campuses and had a really good feel before the, the heart of recruiting process ever really began in watching basketball and eventually soccer matches. So um, I had some opportunities, uh, particularly with basketball, to, to go further away, play Division One. But, you know, we are such a close-knit family. Uh, all of our kids in, in the house were involved in the game. Uh, my dad was a youth coach, attorney by day, youth coach by night. And it just, I think all the life lessons it taught, uh, having family around, I think were really, really important to me. So stayed, you know, 45 minutes north of, of East Lansing and went to Alma College, had a great experience there. Alma is a really special place, tiny school, uh, but a really great uh, education, uh, had a great basketball coach. And, and the experience I had, you know, with Scott Fry. Um, you know, a legendary division three coach with several national championships at Messiah college, you know, him as my college coach was such a great mentor and someone I've leaned on a lot through, through all of this. You were a great basketball player, but if I'm reading this right, you left Elma as the all-time leader in assist and ranked inside the top five in career points. That's in soccer, right? That's correct. Yep. That's correct. Part of that statistic is helpful because we made a couple of great runs. You know, we made a final four run my sophomore year in 99. I think we beat uh, three top five teams in the country. Uh, and wrote to that. Uh, we were kind of the, the underdog story and had a really remarkable team with some great leadership by Scott Fry. Talk about that balance between playing basketball and soccer as a student athlete. Yeah, I mean, all the way through youth, I mean, it's tough. Obviously, you have with basketball, you have the AAU circuit as well. Um, and soccer, when I played, it was high school and, and then club. So, I mean, sometimes you're playing both at the same time. <laughs> you know, you're literally changing cleats in the car and, and taking off the guards and throwing on sneakers uh, to hit the gym. Uh, or vice versa. And then, man, to do it at, a co at the college level is a whole nother thing. College basketball starts so early in October that it was kind of the same scenario. I'd come in off training with soccer, head into the gym, watch plays. I was the point guard. So, you know, of course, I'm supposed to know every play inside and out, know all five jobs on the floor. Both my, my freshman and sophomore years in college, I literally, right after our last game, uh, I, I remember playing a college soccer match on a Saturday and I left the next morning for a tournament in Pennsylvania and started uh, with a basketball team at Alma. So you got to have your life in balance for sure. Have be a really good uh, time manager. And but I wouldn't have traded it for anything. My body might say otherwise now at 41, but you know it was uh, an incredible experience for me. Yeah, I mean, just sort of one reflective thing on that. It, my youngest son was pretty good at all the sports, and there were times where he was playing three or four at the same time between AAU, baseball, and soccer, running all over the place, and uh, he loved every minute of it, and he never complained about it. Like, he was fully engaged, and it kind of it kept him fresh in a way. Jeff, do you remember that part of it? I, I do, you know, and God bless uh, my mom and dad, you know, took my mom for getting us around everywhere we needed to be, but I do, and um it, it was, you know, and I think at the same time, there's a lot of parallels from soccer to basketball in terms of, you know, movement on the court, movement on the field, zonal schemes, transitional play that I, I think you can grow and develop as, as an athlete in each of those sports when you're participating in the other one. Sticking with basketball, we've had Grant Hill on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Who is your favorite basketball player of all time and what teams do you follow? I, I know you follow Tom Izzo, but maybe you follow an NBA team as well. I'm as loyal as it gets. So born and raised in Michigan, I'm, I'm a Michigan state fan always, you know, I'm a professional sports. So I have to endure, uh, you know, the Detroit lions and the way they find ways every year to, to screw it up. Uh, but it's um, my favorite player of all time is magic Johnson. 
I mean, I, you know, he runs the point, you know, he's the first big man running the point, incredible player, super charismatic guy still is obviously. And makes it even more special. He's a Spartan and the statues just around the corner from my office, uh, which is really cool. But the guy that had the best sneakers was Michael, you know, Jordan. So uh, I'm a bit of a sneaker head and, and, and wear lots of Jordans trying to emulate magic in my days. All right. So now you get out of Alma, you played soccer, you played basketball. What happened next for you? Yeah. So following, uh, you know, graduation at Alma, I, I moved back home. Uh, we unfortunately had just, just lost my father to a quick bout cancer. I really want to be back home and around, around family back in the community. And, and I've got so many close knit friends here that they, you know, they are, they are family, uh, whether they're blood related or not. So be back in the area, be around for my younger siblings, support them and what they were doing. And I wasn't back in town, maybe two days uh, before my high school soccer coach, Nick Archer, uh, who another legend uh, in the game. I think he's Michigan's all time has the all time wins record for high school boys soccer in the state of Michigan called me and said, Hey, Haas, you're back. Get over here. We have practice today. Come check it out. And of course, before I knew it, I was helping him, coaching the freshmen, coaching eighth grade basketball uh, all in the same week. So kind of dove right back into it the same way I was as a player. Okay. So then when was your next big move and when did you end up at Alma? Yeah. So I spent the next five years in the, the Lansing community coaching AU club. Uh, I was coaching a high school sport at East Lansing High School, fall, winter, and spring. In fact, I was coaching 11 different teams uh, the year prior to being hired as the, the head coach at Alma College at, at 26, uh, just after my 26th birthday. So Alma College happened in 06, uh, and I was there eight years. Uh, you know, we turned a program around that never finished in the top three. You know, in, in year two, we made the league title, turned that around and, and made the NCAA tournament, won the league uh, with two different championships there before having the opportunity at Grand Valley. All right. One more question before we take a break and get to what happened at Grand Valley. You know, Anson Dorrance has written books on the difference between coaching men and women, and he certainly has that special sauce. When did you know that uh, you really enjoyed coaching women? What was the tipping point for you? Man, I love I love coaching both, and I did it you know, on several different uh, levels. Um, you know, I was fortunate. You know, I find it a blessing that. When in my time at Alma, there are several different coaching hires on the men's side, and I was able to to run the men's program on an interim basis, uh, which was really cool for me. You know, I think I think the biggest difference probably is, you know, I think on the guy's side, you got to manage egos a little bit. Everyone on the field thinks they're the very best player, uh, so being able to manage those players, uh, and then on the female side, I think everyone, you know, everyone wants to know how, uh, and they want to ask those questions of how how to get there. Um, so. You know, I'm not, I'm not writing any books like Hanson, uh, nor do I have that kind of experience. But, uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of ways, for all the diff differences there are, I think there's so many things that are similar. Uh, and, and today's females, man, they're, they're so focused on being the best player they can be, uh, so driven uh, to play at the highest level possible. And, and now it's awesome because obviously, you know, over the last decade in particular, you know, there's so many more different opportunities professionally. We still have a long way to go uh, with it, but, you know, it's headed in the right direction. We're here with the Haas, Jeff Hostler, the first-year top man for the Michigan State Spartans women's soccer team that finished fourth in a 14-team league, and they will get a, a home game, actually. They'll take on Iowa, which has ties to Grand Valley State. We'll explain that after these messages from the ECNL's partners. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. 
You Can't Stop Sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Spending time with the Haas, Jeff Hostler, the top man for the Michigan State women who will open the Big Ten tournament as the home team, the four seed against the Iowa Hawkeyes. And when we went to break, I mentioned the ties to Iowa through Grand Valley State. We'll be able to explain that because you interview for Grand Valley State because Dave Diani, who won a couple titles at Grand Valley State, the Lakers, got hired by Iowa. So that job opens up. Talk to us about that process, the interview process. What was intriguing about Grand Valley State? Well, Grand Valley is a special place. Um, you know, I got to start, you know, Dave, Dave built that program. I mean, he's the architect to it. Uh, he won his national championships there uh, and left it in a really, really good place uh, for whoever stepped into it. So, uh, you know, given the opportunity uh, to, to go to Grand Valley, uh, to work with Tim Selgo, the athletic director at the time, uh, that's, that's a legend in the game and have some different leadership, have an opportunity to, to move up into the division two level uh, and really be in a program that had been the standard, not just in soccer, but many other sports with an NCAA division two was just such a unique opportunity, uh, that would be impossible to pass up. So yeah, family was really excited to move, uh, and get an opportunity to be in Grand Rapids for a while. And, uh, you know, as, as noted, we had a lot of success there. And uh, really, really enjoyed my time. Really special people at Grand Valley. Yeah, so in Grand Rapids is kind of a, a really cool town, too. I've been there a couple times. It's uh, unique. It's eclectic. It's a, it's a special place, isn't it? It really is. You know, the, over the last five years, it's really boomed uh, with the restaurant industry, uh, a lot of local restaurants, local boutiques. Uh, you know, there's something for everybody. Uh, and it's become a big enough market where it you know, attracts big concerts and sporting events as well. Uh, which adds a lot of different flavor. So break it down, Grand Valley State. How many years were you there? And you won three titles. What years were those? And you made it to another championship game. What year was that? Yeah, so I was there seven years. You know, year we won champion NCAA championships. Uh, year one in 2014. Uh, we won it again in 15. 2016, we were going for a four-peat uh, with those seniors. Those seniors were made all the way to the national championship game. Uh, before losing to an incredible Western Washington uh, side in 2016 in a back-and-forth affair uh, and a 3-2 loss. Uh, and then we went back in 18 with a really young team for the pedigree of, of the program, you know, really kind of made an unexpected run with the regular season we had, uh, made all the way to the national championship game uh, before losing to Bridgeport. And uh, we had to sit on that for an entire year uh, with a highly motivated group that came back in 19 and really were on a demolition throughout the whole course of the season uh, before winning that national championship. So does that mean you won three and we're in two championship games, not one championship? My bad on that, Jeff. Yep. He, um, That's all right. That's all right. You know, sometimes you got to forget some of those. That's okay. It was a tough one. <laughs> Five championships in seven years, though. That's incredible. And, you know, as you think about how you recruit for Division Two, what was that like? 
Grand Valley, I think we positioned ourselves pretty unique. Uh, most kids we recruited, we were the only Division II school they're looking at because they're looking at Division One opportunities. The level of play, the level level of player we had in our program was one that you know they're still going to be challenged and play at a really high level. Uh, as we talked about it, there it was a first semester sport. You know, it wasn't a three or four month sport, but literally the first semester because of how routine uh, attending and making the final four was, which takes place mid December. So I, I think from an experience standpoint, you know, our student athletes were getting anywhere from 25 to 27 games every fall. Uh, they were playing for meaningful championships, not just conference, but conference tournament and say regional. And then obviously the national championship. Uh, so I think it really is an opportunity to create a really unique student athlete experience. Uh, and frankly, I mean, everyone wants to win, right? Like in recruiting, you, how often do we hear as coaches, players say they want to win? Well, Dean, nobody wants to be a loser. Everybody wants to win. Uh, but it's what kind of drive you have. And, you know, maybe do you hate to, hate to lose a little bit more? Or do you have the determination to be your very best is what we're looking for. I love it. We're here with Jeff Hostler, the top man for the Michigan State women's soccer team. So you go to five championships uh, in seven years. You win three of them. I actually, full disclosure, I had you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast because we always interview all the champions. So I got to know you there. And I started kind of just kind of putting in your head, you know, hey, Big Ten Network, Big Ten schools, you know, that type of thing. And I'm not sure if I ever specifically said Michigan State. I was just open to you coming to the Big Ten. We talked about that a couple times, didn't we, Haas? No doubt. No doubt. Um, I think this is your segue where you want all the credit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll give you, you know, as we've noted, we've got uh, Nostradamus here uh, that forecasted this move. So all credit to you, Dean. I really appreciate it. <laughs> It's all me, man. It always is. You catch it on, my man. No, but I mean, pretty incredible. I imagine you got a few phone calls during that time, but all of a sudden Michigan State job opens up. Can you put into words your level of excitement, your level of nerves, right? Because maybe you don't get the job. I mean, all of it. Can you break that down? Yeah, there's no question. This is a job I really, really wanted. You know, as we mentioned in the opening, to come back home. My wife's from East Lansing, too, so to have all this family back in town and the opportunity that I would present on a personal level uh, is just remarkable. Um, and, it, and it has been great. These five months being back home, uh, having you know her family right around the corner, our kids being able to get picked up from school sometimes. Uh, Uncle Pie can come pick them up and, and take them out for ice cream after school and things like that has been awesome. Uh, and then on a professional level, you know, I, I think it's no secret. This is a place that you know, is a sleeping giant. I think Michigan State uh, women's soccer can be, uh, you know, one of the elite programs uh, with a reputation this university has. Uh, you know, have to look no further than the success of Damon Rensing uh, with the men's soccer program and what they've done. Uh, you know, I think I think it's four elite eights or better in the last six years by Damon's side. Uh, so there's a it's talent rich here in Michigan. It's talent rich in the Midwest. Uh, Michigan State's a national brand that people know about and. Uh, you know, we're excited about where we are this year, but we're just getting started. But how many interviews did you have to do? How many times in person? How many on the phone? How many via Zoom, right? Because, you know, all the pandemics going on and everything. And, and like, can you explain the, not trepidation, but the excitement of, you know, am I going to get it? Am I not going to get it? Was there any of that? Or did you just know you were going to get it? No, I certainly didn't know I was going to get it. There was a long process. Uh, you know, multiple Zooms, uh, several phone calls uh, on campus interview um, and some really great candidates uh, that were up for it. So uh, I think we, any direction they went would have been a good one here uh, for Michigan State. Uh, I'm really 
in hindsight, really glad this happened over the summer, late spring, early summer, because it, it didn't detract, you know, from the job I was doing at Grand Valley and the timing of everything. Uh, I think that would have been a whole nother emotional piece uh, to it. So fortunate about that. Um, but man, I'm just happy I'm here now and, and we're off and running. Who called you or emailed you to tell you you got the job and, uh, you know, how, who was the first person you told? I'm assuming it's your wife and, and then maybe you called your mom and some brothers and sisters maybe or, or what went down there, Jeff? Uh, I can tell you exactly how. Uh, we, were, we came back to East Lansing that weekend for uh, Rochelle, my wife's uh, sister's graduation open house. So we were in town. And, of course, we have a car full of kids. We've got like an audio book playing. Uh, a movie on in the back of the car uh, and Bill Beekman, the AD uh, here at Michigan state called me and like, I can still see the look on my wife's face when I showed her the phone and who was calling and the panic and the freak out of getting all the kids to be quiet. And then trying to take that phone call with a car full of kids that are 10, eight and five after a long road trip. So um, yeah, I got that call. Um, it was just thrilled over the moon that, that, you know, Bill Beekman and the AD at the time, you know, entrusted me and believed in me and, you know, what he thinks uh, or believes that I can do with this program. So who was the first call better said before we go to a break, who was the first call your wife made then since she was in the car with you when it happened, who did she call? <laughs> uh, she, she immediately picked up the phone and, and called her dad and said, we're coming home. So that was pretty cool to see, you know, at the same time I called my mom, uh, you know, on, on my side, my brother still had just moved back from LA, uh, but my sisters and mom are out in Denver, Colorado area. So I had to call, call mom and, and tell her to, and to hear her voice. And you could, you could hear the joy through the tears, you know, that she was sharing. Cause she knew this is truly a dream come true for me. All right. Top man at Michigan state. We're going to take one more break, come back and find out how he got his team as a number four seed in just his first year in the big 10 tournament and looking like a team that can make the NCAA tournament. I certainly hope that happens for you, Jeff Hostler. And then also we'll talk a little bit about ECNL, very strong in the state of Michigan. Incredible. Of course, incredible across the country as well. It's breaking the line, the ECNL podcast with Michigan state women's soccer coach, Jeff Hostler. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, our last segment with the Haas, Jeff Hostler, the top man for the Michigan State women's soccer team. Jeff, you get this dream job that you just broke down so eloquently, which was awesome and fun and being in the car with the kids. I can picture all of that. I love that real time sort of excitement. And you arrive, you take a look at what you got. What was your first assessment? And how in the world did you do what you did? Because, you know, for me, you know, Michael Neal, 
probably will win Big Ten Coach of the Year, but if they could cut it in half, it should be you. I mean, for what you did for a team that hasn't been to the Big Ten tournament in such a long time. But talk about that initial sort of, you know, I meet the team, I get to know them until where you got now. Break that down and don't leave anything out. Yeah, look, I got into coaching initially because of the life lessons it teaches, the personal relationships you make and the connections uh, throughout it. Uh, I learned that from my dad, uh, from all the wonderful coaches I had. I've always circled back to that foundation. It's always been about those relationships. And look, as soon as I got the job, uh, it was made public. It was uh, June, June 14th was the day I was officially hired. Uh, as we know in recruiting, June 15 is a massive day to be able to have first contact with that next recruiting class. Uh, so that 24 hours was insane to try to get everything going, to have a phone, to be ready to go the next day and call up all the kids on my list. Um, but it was personal phone calls, FaceTime messages, the kids that were here in East Lansing uh, stopping into the office to say hi and introduce themselves. And I did that on an individual level. That's what it's always been about for me. So kind of on repeat, hi, I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm your new coach. Here's what I'm looking to do. Here's what I'm looking for from you. Uh, and establish some rapport because we didn't have much time. You know, you're talking about six weeks from the time I was hired to the first day of practice, um, you know, to build, to, to start building a relationship with these kids. So a lot of that, uh, the onboarding process takes a long time. And then of course, a week later, we're, we're to the two major summer recruiting events with the GA playoffs and the ECNL national playoffs back to back there in June. Jeff Hostler. So you, then you start camp and you get ready and you play a couple games and exhibition. Did you have a feeling that, Hey, we got something here? You know, when we got through our second day of preseason, I remember coming back into the office and, and kind of saying those same words, like we might be onto something. These kids are, they're training really hard. They're more fit than we expected them to be. They were super attentive. We are already able to introduce some, some initial ideas uh, in terms of style of play and methodology. Uh, the office was buzzing. Players were stopping in in between sessions and meetings, asking questions, wanting more, and just looking for ways to grow as individuals and as a group. You know, we only had one exhibition on our schedule, and it wasn't until the second week. And we played three different systems. We played three thirties, uh, or we, we broke it down in three thirty-minute segments ourselves. Played three different systems. Uh, nearly everybody played because we want to give everybody, uh, you know, open chance. Uh, at, at opportunities when it came to game time. Uh, we learned a lot about ourselves in that exhibition, uh, had an incredible week of training leading up to opening weekend and, you know, um, started 2-0, uh, had already through the first weekend had more wins than I did in the spring. So there started to be some belief and some confidence growing within this group. We changed a lot of personnel in terms of position play uh, and our initial, you know, formation that we played through in most of the non-conference portion. And we just saw it. I mean, Dean, it was like one of the favorite age groups for me to coach is that U10 to U12 age group, because you can like go through a full week of training and come back on Monday and you can see the areas they grew in from your focus training that week. It was like that all over again here. It was so cool to see like the development of the tactical ideas, um, you know, and see that growth in these players every week. And, and honestly, that's a big piece of the momentum that's carried us through this season because kids love coming to training every week and getting ready for the next one. 
It also helped that you have a big time goalkeeper in Colzo. It helped that, uh, you know, you got Danny Steffen to stay one more year after kind of an injury played career, the former Michigan Miss Soccer as well. And then you also got Ava Cook to come over from Grand Valley State, among other great players. But those are just three special ones. Uh, we'll start with Ava Cook. That was massive to get her to come play for you for one season, right? It really was. I, I think she has officially shook the she's just a D2 player narrative at this point uh, of the season. Uh, Ava is an absolute warrior of a kid. Uh, she's humble. She's hardworking. She's always the toughest player. She never makes excuses. Uh, she always gives credit to others. And to have a kid like that with the ability that she has, the toughness she has, but then you mix that with the humility and, and genuine care for others. Uh, it allows other players to start to believe and realize those incredible uh, attributes. And so um, like when she's on the field, it brings a different type of belief to this team uh, from the very start. And, you know, as I told her earlier this week with senior day, like we, I, there's no way we'd be in this position without her. And I'm not saying that the credit all goes to her because it, it does go to Kozel and to Danny and, for in, in large strides to the group that that returned and chose to stay here at Michigan State over these last few years and after the, the change um, that bought in. I think they all deserve the most credit, but there's no question Ava has brought a lot of that toughness and competitiveness and, and understanding of how to win um, that I think this group needed. So now you face Iowa and Dave Diani, who you replaced at Grand Valley State, you already beat him once. It's hard to beat a uh, good coach twice, as you know, let alone a good team. But that's an interesting storyline as well, right? You and Dave going at it again. It is. Dave is a good friend. What did you say about the game earlier this year? Did You beat him, didn't you? You beat Iowa, right? Oh, yeah, we did. I'm sorry. I just wanted to hear that again. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, Dave's, such, Dave's, such, Dave's such a good friend of mine, uh, and I have so much respect for him. As I said, what he did at, at Grand Valley, and frankly, what he's done in Iowa, you know, making the NCAA tournament the last couple of years, uh, the run that went on last year was remarkable. And he and I are the exact same. Like, we're as competitive as it gets. I know he wants to beat us as badly as we want to beat them because it's, it's in the end, like, that's how we're wired. And that's what, that's what allowed him to make that grand, to build that Grand Valley program, make it elite. That's what he's doing there down in Iowa City. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Sunday. I know he is. There's a lot at stake. And, and frankly, in the Big Ten, with the way, you know, the eight teams that are in, I, I mean, any of these teams can make a run and, and win the thing. Uh, so I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to having them back in Michigan this weekend. What can you tell me about where you are in the RPI? And, um, you know, let's say you don't get the result. Are you still looking good for the NCAA tournament? What's that look like, Haas? Yeah, I think just to be in the conversation for the NCAA tournament right now with where this program was, um, you know, it was exciting. Uh, we've been the last few weeks hovering around that 50 we, we cracked the top 50 this week we're at 49 in the rpi uh i was obviously a strong opponent but it's a new season for everybody and i've always taken the approach even at grand valley when when you're ranked number one in the country going into your conference play it's a th it's a three-game tournament and it's about being your very best in a week looking to advance you know you have an opportunity to win a championship that's something michigan state's never done before and so we're focused on being better today. Uh, yesterday was off. We're going to have our first team meeting lift and training session today, uh, yet this afternoon. But it's about it's about getting a result on on Sunday and moving on and and trying to play for a championship next weekend. Let's switch now to building toward the future because now every player that comes in is all you and your coaching staff. 
And obviously the ECNL is so strong in Michigan. Your roster is loaded with ECNL players and your job's not over after you, you know, try to win this Big Ten tournament and make the NCAA tournament. You always got to be recruiting. Just, you know, ABC always selling, right? Always recruiting. Uh, talk about the, the way the ECNL has changed the game because I think that's part of the reason there's so much parity now. North Carolina doesn't win it every year anymore. They haven't won it since 2012. And I think the ECNL deserves a lot of credit for that can you comment on the ECNL yeah I think the direction or the, the vision that you know some of the, the club directors from some of those very best clubs in the country came together you know and had the vision for this um to see where you know to think about what it could be whether you know from a league structure into national events no one's done it to the standard the same that the ECNL has uh to this point and you know be able to go to one event see elite players uh you know playing against each other turn around, watch the field next to it, do the same thing all over again. It brings a lot more, obviously, exposure to these kids. Um, and, and it allows us for coaches to be a little more centralized um, sometimes in terms of our recruiting calendar and, and be able to see those players. And I think it has a, allowed you know our game to evolve significantly. Every coach is looking for a little bit different, you know, out of different players. And so a kid that's right for one program may not be for the other, but it doesn't mean they're not going to excel and be elite uh, you know, during their, their time as a youth player or as they develop in that coach's vision when they arrive on campus. One of the things that I've been impressed with the ECNL is their ability to adapt and to listen and to kind of grow together, you know, bring the coaches together. They've also been involved in coaching education. They're very strong with their ID camps as well, you know, putting the best players out there against each other. Have you seen that from the ECNL, Jeff? I have. Uh, you know, I think some of the player recognition they've begun doing with all conference things. You know, when I talk to club directors, when they come back, I know they really enjoy the symposiums that they have where they, they learn from each other. Cause we all know, I mean, the best coaches are all stealing from each other and, and, and it's about the way they end up delivering their message uh, to their team on the training ground. So uh, I think the ability to share that information, to share ideas, I mean, it's really just evolved the game, you know, across, across all uh, avenues and levels, whether it's, youth collegiate or professionally. I think the biggest compliment that we can give to the ECNL, and of course this is the ECNL podcast called Breaking the Line, is I feel like the way they do their competitions, you know, throughout the year and then their championships and regionals and then finals and everything else kind of makes them ready for coming to East Lansing with the structure and how everything is done. It's all first class. I feel like ECNL sets the table for these young women to be ready when they get to East Lansing. No question about it. I think one of the best things that, that ECNL did was coming back to the, the national playoff format. Uh, so that kids were playing for something as opposed to just playing to play. Uh, we just got done, you know, a little bit ago, Dean talking about, how everybody likes to win, but sometimes at the youth level, you play so many matches that that gets watered down, but at the collegiate level, you've got 18 games you can put on your schedule. And at the end of that, that's going to determine how you finish in the league. If you're going to have an NCAA tournament berth. So every one of these games means a lot, regardless of who you're playing at the collegiate level. And I think when you're playing for conference championships, when you're playing for seating at a national event and then playing for a national championship, kids are learning how to per perform under pressure. Uh, and that's going to help them be, be prepared for college. 
All right. As we close, I do have to admit, and I don't understand why, but the Michigan State AD never called me, never checked with me on your hire or anything. So uh, just full disclosure, I don't get any credit, unfortunately. But thanks for understanding where I was going with that house. I appreciate it. You bet, Dave. You bet. Jeff Hostler, the top man at Michigan State. Good luck in the Big Ten tournament and hope to see you in the NCAA tournament. Congratulations on all your well-deserved success. Thanks so much for having me on, Danny. It's always a pleasure. Great story, great interview, great time with Jeff Hostler, the head coach of the Michigan State women's soccer team on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I want to thank Andrea Wheeler and Jacob Bourne and all the great folks at ECNL, including Christian Labors, Jen Winnegal, Jason Cutney, Doug Bracken, everybody involved with the ECNL. Fantastic for each and every one of them, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.